Murphy, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of state. We don't care if we live a bit late. Gonna make a scene for me and you on my rocking bicycle. Yes, and yes, it is Friday, September 15th, 2023, says the calendar. I trust that it's right. It's on paper, so it's probably right. And this is Ruthie. This is out there. For today's show, I have an interview with Ethan Tupelo from last Saturday's Taste of Northampton, Waste of Northampton. We were hauling trash together. Ethan and I were as part of Pedal People for that event. 13 trailer loads of trash we hauled for that event. And so I got about 15 or 20 minutes talking with Ethan. And other than that, I probably got some stories and some repeat clips. And um, well, I guess I'll just start by talking about my day starting from now and going backwards in time well you know i always have some excuse as to why i'm not totally prepared for my show well today i got to the studio i was running a little late because well because why i I had to to train a new pedal person for pedal people oh this guy this new trainee new hire and so he he showed up to the training at my house uh riding a tandem bicycle which I thought was very cute. He said, yeah, the bike I normally have that I would normally have that I would that I normally ride doesn't really fit the hitch for a trailer and this tandem bike fits the hitch for a trailer best. So I thought I would bring it. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, he didn't actually haul a trailer on it for the training because it had a kickstand and that was too complicated, blah, blah. Plus he was already experienced hauling a trailer. Anyway, so I had that training and then I had, I don't know what I had had a doctor's appointment ahead so I get to the studio at like 3 15 I'm like oh yeah I got just enough time to edit that that clips from Ethan from last week and I pull out my little bag with my thumb drives and my data cord to take the data from my phone which I use as a recorder to take the data from there put it into the computer into audacity edit it put it back onto the thumb drive take it out of that computer bring it into the studio computer blah blah anyway I pull out my bag with my thumb drives and my data cord, and there's no data cord. I had, where's my data cord? It's only about six inches long, and that's always my worry when I uh, come to the studio that, um, that I'm going to pull out my bag of thumb drives and data cords and realize something's missing. It's kind of like, you know, those nightmares where you're always, like, naked at a party or something. Well, anyway, fortunately, I had planned ahead enough that I had enough time to ride back to my house, which is... About a four and a half minute ride if I ride crazy and a five a minute, five and a half minute or six minute ride if I ride responsibly. Uh, it was like a five minute ride because I rode somewhat a little of each of those. And then I got, I get home and I'm rummaging through my, the area where I keep these things. There's only one place where I keep these things. No, two places, the computer and the shelf. And it's not there. So then I'm rummaging around in extra data cord places and I grab a couple of data cords and, and come back to the studio to be hopeful. Eh, oh, but in route, a couple things in route. So in downtown Florence, if anyone's been down Main Street in downtown Florence today, they may have seen people set up in front of Friendly's, well, on the street, occupying a couple of parking spaces in front of Friendly's 
giving away plants and such because today is parking day or no parking day where they where the idea is to bring awareness to all the space public space that's used to park cars when it could be space used to grow things or house people or put bike lanes in or etc they were giving away plants i'm not sure what they were giving away because I was in too much of a rush to get back for my show. And then, anyway, parking day usually is around the 20th, 22nd of September, which is International Car Free Day. Those two events are usually uh, within the same, around the same week. So there may be more events going on. This weekend would be the, the 16th, 17th. There's probably more events going on around the country in the world to celebrate car free day if people don't like uh hot hot weather and say oh i i I would bike but it's too hot i might sweat well now the weather's cooled off uh what else did i see on my quick ride back to my house oh on last week's show i talked about the impeach biden graffiti all over the bike path that has been going on for months at first was one or two and probably up to like 20 now i saw yesterday someone had painted over a lot of them but i thought oh what's the easiest way to alter that and i thought oh if i did some um wheat pasting and if i just got a sheet like an eight and a half nine by eight and a half an eight and a half by eleven sheet and just put a heart on it and i could wheat paste that on top of the m and then it would say i heart peach I heart peach, I heart peach, Biden, whatever. Some way to distort it. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie Woodring. What else happened today, yesterday? Oh, yeah. I was trying to go to bed last night. Now, I can't remember if I mentioned on my last show. Oh, yeah. So my last week... So there's been a couple of guys hanging out on the bike path bench and sometimes sleeping there at night on it or by it, but they've had a little bit of a dispute going on lately. So, um, well, mostly when they're drunk. Um, So they don't usually, they're not both sleeping there anymore, but they seem to get along just fine when they're not drunk. So last week, one night, I was 10:30, 11. I don't know. No, it was 2:30 in the morning, and Bobcat Bob was a little drunk and yelling a lot, barking. He said, so I went. I finally got up at 2:30 in the morning. I was like, Bob, hey, like, can you just keep it down out here? And he said, I'm keeping away the evil spirits. See, there's none around. I'm a protector. I'm a guardian. I'm a guard dog. I'm keeping them away. And I was like, can you keep them away a little more quietly, please? Anyway, so we've had an ongoing relationship going on. And uh, what happened yesterday? Oh, Sunday. Was it Sunday? I think Sunday. There was an event, Saturday or Sunday, there was an event at the VFW in Florence. And Bob shows up at my house saying, hey, I got a chicken sandwich from the VFW for you. You want to sit out here and have a chicken sandwich with me? And I said, sure, okay, great, thanks. So 
anyway, and then like yesterday morning, uh, Bob's like, hey, it, do you, any way you can bring me something to eat? I'm hungry. So I said, sure, I'll make you an egg sandwich. So I got some eggs from the chickens and a tomato from the backyard and, and fried them up an egg sandwich. And, and Rob's like, ooh, that looks good. Can I have one too? I said, sure, I got the makings for it. So I brought them a couple egg sandwiches. And then last night, that was yesterday morning, last night, Bob comes knocking on the door at 1030 at night. He could tell I was still up because the kitchen light was on and I was in the kitchen trying to clean the kitchen while all the housemates were asleep. And he, he knocks on the back door. He's quite drunk. He's like, hey, I see you're still up. Hey, can you put this thing, this mic thing in the microwave for me, this TV, this frozen dinner in the microwave for me? Someone put it in the fridge, in the freezer, but you know how that the fridge, the freezer is broken and it's turned off. So it was just going to rot in there and, I, and it's still partially frozen. Can you put it in the microwave for me? I was like, Bob, it's 1030 at night. You're really loud and drunk. Give me that thing and I'll microwave it for you. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you know, he brought me a chicken sandwich earlier in the week. So I bring it out, I give it to him. And he wants to talk and this, that, and the other. And, and then he says, oh, oh, the other guy's out by the bike path. I better go out the front because I don't want to run into him. As I told you before, I'm a guard dog and, if, and I'll fight off the the bad things. I'm like, all right, Bob, great, thanks. Go, go, eat your dinner, go to bed. I don't care what you do, just go. It's too late, go. So he left, and then this morning, I get up, and I come out the door. <laughs> There's like a beer halfway off the yard, and a beer on the back steps, and his walking stick. Anyway, that's how you get free beer. That's how I got two free beers to give away to my friends who like free beers. Well, he likes free beers, so maybe I'll I'll find another friend. I'll make another friend with those. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Oh, here's another story from yesterday. I was trying to get a money order for a friend, and my friend said from Northampton said, yeah, you, you can get one at CVS. I went to CVS on Main Street, and they said, no, our money order machine's broken. So I went to Cumberland Farms on King Street, and they said, oh, no, our money order machines keep breaking, so we quit having that machine. I went to Walgreens on King Street, and they said, uh, no, our money order machine, I, we're not doing that anymore. And then I go to Stop and Shop, and they say, our money order machine's broken. It broke when there was a power surge last week. I said, oh, that's why everybody's money order machines are broken. So then the next day, I w well then I went to uh, the Florence Post Office, and they Pump me one right out, no problem. So one more shout out to the post office and the Florence post office. Now, the clock says it's 4.13. Enough of me babbling. Here is Ethan Tupelo, my fellow pedal person. A Saturday evening, September 9th, 2023, downtown Northampton. Taste of Northampton got a quick ending from the sudden rain and lightning and thunderstorm and I'm here with Ethan Tupelo, my fellow pedal person. Ethan, um, what, how long have you been here at the Taste? Um, well, I was actually here before the Taste because I did downtown trash the regular shift early this morning at like 5 a.m. 
and saw that it was mostly set up at that point. Had to make a few corrections with some of their caution tape and things like that <laughs> because they had uh, they tied it to the convenient um, cages that the trash cans are in, but had the caution tape uh, over the trash can, so I wouldn't have been <laughs> able to actually take out any of the trash, which is important for this event. Mm -hmm. But then I came back down at uh, 1 p.m., which is an hour after the event started, to do the first two hours of the pedal people hauling shift uh, for uh, hauling all the trash away. And it was uh, already a lot. We filled up the downtown uh, trash trailer, filled it up like two and a half times in the two hours that I was there, which um, for context, the entire downtown on a typical weekday night would have been maybe like in the summer, one and a half times full. So just in a little over two hours, uh, almost almost twice as much trash was in the trash cans um, uh -huh. than over an entire day. Yeah. Um, and then we just kept going since then. Yeah, I think Lingen probably did like three loads. I've done three loads so far. Yeah. And then we have to now we have to uh, do the cleanup, which we're sort of waiting on now, not really to stay out of the rain, but uh, more because. Um, Everyone decided to pack up early, so they re seemed to reopen the street enough for all of the vendors to bring their cars through and start bringing stuff out. So we're waiting till it clears out a little bit, and Ruthie has decided to use the time to interview <laughs> me. Um, yeah, because it's, it's, while the vendors are, are breaking down, they'll still be throwing stuff in the trash barrels that are out there. Right. Uh, did you get any tastes of Northampton today? Any tastes? <laughs> um, well, earlier in the day when it was really hot out, a lot of vendors were uh, offering me water, which was, you know, appreciated. I didn't actually need it. I came prepared. Um, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, um, not that much. While I was uh, waiting for the compactor, uh, the trash compactor, to go through the cycles, um, I was eating a bunch of fries out of the trash um, and other stuff like that um, but uh, yeah I didn't I didn't actually eat that much when I was um, done with my shift when Lingen took over um, I actually went to um, to familiars like a block away just because I needed a break from the massive crowd and had a had a nitro cold brew there which was nice but that's about the taste of Northampton that that I got <laughs> Um, what is your favorite part of the taste? My favorite part? Um, I wrote, uh, just like last year, I've run into people who I know live in the town, but I haven't seen them in like half a year or sometimes even a year, um, which is always uh, nice and, and kind of amazing that like you manage to run into people in an event this big also and they pick you out of a crowd. Although I guess since, you know, I'm the one like pulling this big trailer through a crowd of people, maybe I stand out a bit more. Um, yeah. And the, yeah, so for people who don't know that for the taste of Northampton, they close Main Street from King Street up to uh, Old South Street. They close it to cars, motorized traffic, and it's full of people, people. Yeah, so, so many people that um, even though pedal people is hauling the trash away, it's more like slowly walk the trailer like 20 or 30 feet through a crowd, <laughs> set it down, and then walk to the nearby trash bins and bring them back to the trailer. So there's 
besides like going to the compactors and back, there's actually very little biking <laughs> that you do. It's it's almost like you're you're moving like a handcart or yeah. a, well, a very large one. Any least favorite parts? Least favorite. Um, I think um, this is one of those events where, sort of like I was saying earlier, just the amount of waste is is enormous, um, and it um, I think it can entirely be prevented. Um, we entered in discussions to this kind of late of thinking about the waste. We held for this last year, um, and the the director of the Downtown Northampton Association seemed pretty open to maybe starting talking about this next year a lot earlier and thinking about like could we do something like make this at next year an entirely like compost only event so like have like all of the vendors this would be a huge project but I think like if people want to coordinate this and be determined to do it I think it would be great like have everyone coordinate so we're only buying like compostable materials for example um, because the main thing that all this trash is is just like these uh, single use to go containers that people are using for literally five to ten minutes and throwing it out um, so uh, if we could at least have that be compost, that would be slightly better. That's still, of course, single use, um, so we could probably even do better than that. Um, but uh, but I think that would be better than the massive amount that we're sending to the, the landfill right now. What would an event like this have looked like back in the day? People would have just brought their own dishes or what do you think? Back in the day, I guess it depends on how far back in the day we're talking about. I mean, if you go back not even that far, a lot of the stuff that at least could be thrown out could have been biodegradable. Yeah, we're just in like paper plates and paper bags. Right, or and back when those things were actually like all paper, yeah. for example. Um, and now they usually have some kind of wax or they're coated in some kind of plastic and they're not really recyclable anymore. It makes them, you know, last a bit longer. Your paper plate doesn't dissolve immediately. But, um, but yeah, it, it almost all that stuff is not uh, recyclable. Um, so... Yeah, it would probably be something like that. I think we're just so used to getting things in these, like, containers now and have expectations around, like, their durability, even though you use them for only a few minutes, that um, it's it's really incredible. Um, for um, I, I also teach at uh, Hampshire College, and for... Um, uh, this semester, I'm teaching a course on uh, on waste uh, broadly called uh, "To Recycle Is Not Enough," uh, which is uh, also making fun of or sort of playing off of uh, Hampshire's uh, motto, I guess. Uh, to know is not enough is the Latin <laughs> translation. So, like, um, the uh, to recycle is not enough. You know, kind of the idea that, like, well, even if something is recyclable, like that's not going to solve like our climate catastrophe. Um, that's not even going to necessarily discourage like issues of like single use and things like that. For our opening day, um, the main activity that I did was um, walked in with um, a huge black paper bag and dumped it out, or a plastic bag, and dumped it out in the middle of the classroom. Um, and it was full of all of the trash uh, and recycling, or a selection of the trash and recycling <laughs> I'd collected doing downtown trash earlier that day and had people write down like their reactions and 
thoughts and emotions and stuff like that. And um, one of the things that came up was just uh, noticing just like how well constructed a lot of our waste is um, in the sense that like almost everything in there could have been used again, uh, even the things that are intended to be disposable. So it's, it's really astonishing how like well made the trash is. Uh, like most of the stuff in there is not in there because it's like used up or broken or things like that. Um, so I think it's it's really worth thinking about. Like we're making things durable, but like just Those to throw. Thunders them out. are getting scary. <laughs> They're right here. <laughs> that was a little uh, input from a passerby who saw me interviewing Ethan. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. This is an interview with Ethan Tupelo, uh, my fellow pedal person. Also, Ethan is a professor at Hampshire College and is on the Murph Western Mass Murph Advisory Board, which we'll get to that in the second half of the interview. Uh, Ethan was talking about having getting you know, some fries out of the trash for his taste of Northampton. Well, so this towards the end of the taste. So the streets were closed off and all these, you know, vendors or restaurant vendors were, were selling stuff and or selling food. But at the end, the, this rainstorm came in. It just may have sounded like noise in the background, but a lot of that, as that guy said, was thunder. And so when the rain came down so suddenly, it must have rained like one or two inches in half an hour, it seemed like. And so then we were waiting out that rainstorm and then around 8.30 or 9, we were cleaning up what remained in one of my last loads of, of trash, someone who was cleaning up tables and carrying boxes of trash, he, he had a box of trash that he brought my way to put in the downtown trash trailer. And so then when I was imping at the compactor, I pulled it out and it was a cardboard box. There was, there was a Dunkin' Donuts, or there was a box of donuts on top, which had kept out most of the rain, fortunately. And then underneath that box of donuts, there were all these individual cups with skewers, maybe like 10, like 15, like 12, 12 to 15 cups that had skewers on them with fresh mozzarella cheese and tomatoes and then some other kind of fancy cheese and olives and dried apricots and chocolate-covered figs and grapes. Uh, some of them were rained on a little bit. I trusted that the water, was that it was just rainwater. They had cheese for a week from that. Now, before I get back to the interview with Ethan, here's a word from a friend of a friend, Isaac Andreas with Dumpster Flex. Headed down to the dumpster with my Louis Vuitton. Sneak around with those sneakers that I found to put on. Nike Grapper is my outfit cost slow as they pass. And no, no commando, I got ego on my bum. My eBay account is my only degree. Yeah, I live off of trust and that's what I believe. Dude, there's a B as water, but the rest is your waste. It's just lucky you as waste is treasure to me. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this 
song is so dumb, so fresh. Now look at what I found just the other day. Now okay, why would someone go through this away? A straight up new with tags, and it's never been worn. No stains, no marks, no smell, no dirt, no torn. It's a shirt, guys, they don't expire. Besides, expiration dates are made by liars. There's planned obsolescence in this whole expense. I'm diving daily here to give shirts like these just one more chance. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. Every morning I get up out of sheets, I found I brush my teeth every day on these brush that I found Get a shave with my razor, guess what, what we found Wash my hair with shampoo, they yup, yup, I found Put on clothes, they were lost, and now are found Eat my brunch, it's just cereal, but it's free, I found Pack a lunch from the mini fridge, all found Hop on a really nice bike that I wish I found Check my Craigslist app for the buyers I found RCV on a couch of both the which I found Grab some chai at the shop with the cards I found Yeah, uh, I think I get the point Is that too much? Hey, no, I'm not a hoarder. I live my life with extreme order. When I get a good haul, I know I'm blessed. I give thanks to God for a bountiful harvest. Diving isn't just about error and trial. You see, diving is a full-on living lifestyle. Practice what you preach. Please don't put it there. If my dumpster fashion catches you unaware. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song. It's so dumpster fresh. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. I got my ego from your ego, you just think about that. Next time you trash on something, you best call me up, stat. I want more competition just to pull them away. I am the predator, your dumpster the prey. I go dumpster diving, that's no metaphor. It's an art I mastered, so now I mentor. If you think you're better, then I challenge thee. A duel, loser must eat the six month old breed. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. Dumpster flex, dumpster flex. I wrote this song, it's so dumpster fresh. There, there was a line in there that was something like. I challenge to a duel. I challenge thee. Eat this six-month-old brie. <laughs> it's a really great music video that goes with that too. Isaac Andreas is a friend of a friend that he wrote that in college. You're listening to out there on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie, and as promised, here is the second half of the interview with my coworker Ethan Tupelo. We talked last Saturday night at the taste, the waste, the taste of Northampton. So Ethan, you're also on the advisory board for the MRF. Wait, what's the MRF stand for? <laughs> uh, material uh, Recycling Facility. And what is it? Like I was right about the thunder. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Springfield MRF is where most of the municipal recycling in almost all of West, Western Massachusetts uh, goes um, to be further sorted um, and then bailed based on the roughly based on the type of material and then sold uh, to a secondary market hopefully at some amount of profit that then is shared with the municipalities or at least like offsets the costs of hey. recycling. Thanks for the cookies Jonathan. You're rolling them. Yeah. Thank you for taking care of Chelsea. Bye. 
So are there two Murphs? Like, is there like a single stream Murph as well as a dual stream one on Bernie? Yeah, so, so the ones that most of the municipalities use is the uh, publicly owned dual stream one. And then there's also a single stream one also in uh, Springfield. And actually there's a bunch of single stream ones throughout the entire state. I think, uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I think the, uh, the Springfield one is the last dual stream one in Massachusetts. Um, may, I, I would guess throughout most of the Northeast also, because almost all of them that they've built or upgraded have turned into single stream uh, uh -huh. since then. And, uh, and for your listeners, dual stream is where you um, separate out your paper and cardboard in one bin from all of your mixed containers in another. And single stream is when you mix all of your recycling together. Which is better? Well, it depends who you ask. Um, obviously, at the Springfield Murph, we are very attached to dual stream. Um, for a very long time, it's uh, produced better quality uh, products just because when you put the paper in with all of like your half-filled soda cans and things like that, you have all the stuff that gets on the paper or the paper gets stuck to um, the bottles and things like that. And like all of that, if, they, if you end up not being able to separate that, then that decreases the value of your final product and how desirable it is for producers to turn it in some, to some new kind of product. Um, that being said, there's been a lot of advances in single stream, especially over the last decade with automation and like uh, optical sorting and things like that to the point that it's like two decades ago when they were really like introducing it single stream from the side of the people who were purchasing recycling was largely viewed as as like an, a disaster basically yeah. uh, just because the levels of contamination that we were occurring it, it's improved a lot since then although um, co consistently you're still able to get for, for most things a better quality product out of dual stream and also the Springfield Murph in general has been able to establish sort of long-term relationships with some of the people that um, they sell stuff to um, just because they know like the product is going to be of a consistent quality. What is your role in the on the advisory board? Or what kinds of things are you doing, talking about? Yeah, the, the advisory board um, is mainly there to uh, uh, be like a liaison between the municipalities uh, and the operator of the MRF, which has been contracted out for a long time to waste management. Um, and then the other aspect of what we do is uh, education. So almost all of the information sheets or postcards or big signs that you see at the transfer station throughout most of Western Massachusetts that are things that were designed and, and produced by the Springfield Murph. Um, and it's, it's really good to have like clear signage and like consistent uh, information from a reputable source about like what can go into the recycling and what can't. Um, it's helpful not just for residents going to the transfer station, but of course also the workers at the transfer station to have clear information about that. I have to ask you this because people are always asking, this is a thing that comes up a lot. People like, so the chasing arrows, how important or valuable is that to determining whether or not something is recyclable in Northampton? <laughs> so you should go just by, uh, or primarily by the guides that the Springfield Murph puts out, um, not by the chasing arrows. 
Um, the Chasing Arrows um, was uh, developed by the producers um, as uh, mainly the plastics industry originally as something that would um, basically be used as a resin identifier. So they would have a general idea of what a particular object was composed of. But it's not an indication anywhere of if it can actually be recycled. So that's those are the ones that have like the numbers inside them, like a number one or a number two or things like that. Um, it's a general indication, but it's not authoritative. It varies from locality to locality. Um, you should really look at the information that the Springfield Murph puts out. There's a ton of information on our websites in a variety of formats um, from you know, colorful um, uh, signs that you can print out um, to a very long list of not just what's recyclable there, but like what you can do with stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff in the region, like suggestions for like how to deal with hazardous waste, for example, or, or other things like that. Um, the Yeah, the, the chasing arrows, though, um, technically, um, they're not even, uh, according to industry standards, they shouldn't even be putting that on products anymore um, because the industry realized that they were, or maybe worried that they were at some kind of legal or liability risk for misleading the public so much about whether something could be recycled or not by having the chasing arrows on it. So if you look at most products now, a lot of them are no longer the chasing arrows, but they're like a upside down triangle which looks very, very similar unless you squint at it very, um, very hard to like figure it out. So that's them trying to like step away from sort of suggesting that these things are always recyclable everywhere. But then there are also the places that just put on the chasing arrows without even a number in the middle of it. It's just like a hopeful suggestion that you're gonna try to recycle it even though there's no chance of them actually there's no chance of this material actually being yeah. recycled yeah. at all it's just something to make you feel better or like to put that on you as an individual um to think that it's your responsibility to figure out what to do with it even though you're just kind of like thrown into the situation of like now this thing is in your hand and like what are you going to do with it yeah. um if if there were any type of serious federal regulation in this country, um, the labeling on things would look very different. Yeah. Um, but that, this is the, the result of many decades of, of neglect um, on, on, in terms of regulating clear printing that goes on labels. All right, one last question, then we probably got to get some trash. Um, is recycling a distraction from other things, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, recycling is very important. People should definitely recycle. Don't start throwing all of your bottles into the trash or anything like that. I want to be very clear about that for what I'm about to say. However, I think a lot of recycling really distracts us from looking at larger systemic change that needs to happen and largely at the uh, starting with production in the first place. Like people, the producers need to really think about how things are being made from the start to make them either easily recyclable or reusable or you know whatever we're going to decide our priorities are. Um, and if they're not going to do that, they should have to pay extra costs for creating all of this stuff in the first place. Um, recycling has this tendency to uh, 
basically be put on the individual uh, um, household or it just um, just the individual themselves at where um, you think then that it's all your responsibility to figure out which bin to put this in and as I just outlined sometimes there's no good choice and there's no good choice because of how they produce these things in the first place or they haven't been well basically incentivized or even forced to use uh, post-secondary recycled content um, to be able to produce things in the first place. Um, there are solutions to all of these things. Lots of countries, um, especially in the European Union, for example, have lots of regulations around this. Um, and there really needs to be change at a systemic level. But yes, still recycle. Just recognize the, the, the limits of that and potentially the, the individualist thinking that you're being trapped in if you're you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. That interview ended because my recording device is programmed to shut off after 10 minutes. Sorry, Ethan. He was almost done. You get the idea. Sometimes, like, hearing him talk about recycling makes me think how, like, recycling is kind of like flushing the toilet after yourself. Like, you know, just do it. It's nothing glamorous that's going to save the world. It's just like... The least you can do after, the least we can do after we crap somewhere. What other stories? This is out there on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton. Ethan Tupelo is a fellow pedal person on the advisory board of the Western Mass Murph in Springfield and a professor at Hampshire College. Next on out there, ooh, I want to talk about apples because it is September 15th. Lots of apples around town. I made applesauce this week, finally. Like I bike all over town and see apples falling here, there, everywhere, willy-nilly and rotting. So I finally had the time to collect some or to, to process and make sauce out of my collection. I've been collecting all week, a little here, a little there as I ride around. I had some from Smith Vogue, some from Historic Northampton, some from Abundance Farm, some from uh, a tree by the Smith College Physical Plant down on West Street. Did I say Smith Vogue? Yeah. Last night, yesterday evening, I went over to a friend's house for dinner in Florence. And then on the way back, it was about 8.45. It was dark and I'd had dinner and I was like, hmm. I would really like an apple for dessert. Ooh, no, Smith Folk has like 40 trees there. And uh, it's dark, and I thought, well, let me go jump the fence and grab a, an apple to eat on my way home, or a couple, two or three. And so I stashed my bike in the bushes on the side of South Main Street, and I was walking down the fence line trying to get to the place where there's a gate. Because, you know, if you're jumping the fence, well, you don't want to bend the wire somebody else's fence. And so I'm headed down towards where the gate is. Oh, and then I heard the the deer snort. I couldn't really see them. And I was trying to not scare them away. I think they eat the apples when they fall, too, and they hang out in that little wooded nursery area because that's where they were last time I went there. And I was just getting ready to jump the fence. And this was an hour after dark. Uh, and then I hear this tractor coming up South Main with like big headlights and spotlights in like every direction. So I spread across the field and in the other direction and jumped in some bushes 
Um, running in the dark is really hard because you don't know where there's going to be a pothole on uneven ground. And then the bushes and vines are a little treacherous because you can't see the poison ivy, and I know there's poison ivy in there. Um, the Japanese knotweed was what I could feel. Anyway, I laid low. The tractor stopped by the entrance and then eventually made its way on up South Main Street. I don't know where they went. And then I, then I remembered, oh, actually, you know, I, I still have a couple apples at home. I think I'll just eat the apples I have at home. <laughs> um, oh, that also reminds me a little more of the story from I was talking about earlier on Out There Today about Bobcat Bob and, and showing up my, at my house drunk last night. And, and then this morning what I found, well, this morning also I found in a bag the soggy egg sandwich that I had made either for him or the other guy. And I was like, huh, I, I, I made this, f f you know, um, cooking's not like a good, s my good strength, but I tried, to m I tried to make it nice so it would be nice and tasty. A tomato egg sandwich, and there it was, all soggy in the bag. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that that happened, so I gave it to the chickens. And that, I guess, completed the cycle because they laid the egg, and then I guess they got to eat the egg. Blame it all on my roots I showed up in boots Ruined your black tie fair Last one to know Last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise And the fear in his eyes Took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through. And you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got friends in old places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Step on down 
Garth Brooks. I was thinking about Bobcat Bob when I played that song. Actually, I won't. Bobcat Bob might not be his real name, um, but he's a in his early 60s and is a veteran who became homeless when his house burned down. I think in Belchertown, like within the last few a few months ago, I believe. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Oh, another story I have last week on Belcher on Belchertown. <laughs> last week on Out There, I was doing a little piece talking when I was at Cans for Cancer out at Valley Recycling and talking about the people that I meet there. And I talked about the guy in the black and red truck. Well, actually, it's a red and green truck. This week when I was at Cans for Cancer out at Valley, he came through again. And I was like, oh, that yeah, that's black. It's red and green. If, if I'm ever on the witness stand and I'm talking about colors, don't trust me. I cannot remember colors for the life of me. I couldn't even tell you what color my best friend's eyes are. Um, I'm not sure who that is anyway. But uh, so where was I going with this? Oh, so this this guy I was talking about who how like when Cancer Cancer first started, our first summer when we were trying to figure things out, didn't even have a tent for shade. On that first really, really hot, like 90-some summer day, he brought us all Gatorade, and I never forgot that. Well, at least within the last, I haven't forgotten it for three years. And I always kept an eye out for that red and green truck. Every time I'd see it, I'd be like, oh, that's the guy that brought us that Gatorade that one day. And, uh, but I never really spoken to him. And then, or not much. And then yesterday, Thursday, I'm doing my pedal people route in the, in North Florence in the Fitzgerald family subdivision. I'm down on Rick Drive. And I stopped to record some thought on my phone. And the mail carrier is walking down the street. And he he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And he gets up close to me, and he has this big smile on his face. And he's like, hey, I didn't know you did pedal people. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? I know I know him. I know I've seen him. I've seen him very recently. And I know he's a friendly person that I like. Who is this person? And he pulls off his sunglasses, maybe. And he said, it's Johnny. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then it finally clicked. Uh, anyway, we talked for a while. And he said, yeah, he's, I've been a mail carrier for four years. He said, I'm just subbing down in this neighborhood today. Anyway, it's Northampton. It's a small town. Next, we have Joan Schaefer. Is fried. Oh, see, I got these slider bars that I'm I'm using a different. I I couldn't find my um data cable, so I'm playing my clips straight off of my phone with no editing. Sorry, it is Friday, September fifteenth. It's not four o'clock yet, so I'm still getting together for today's show. <laughs> and I'm in Joan. Actually, what's your last name? Schaefer. Okay, Joan Schaefer going up the bike path. That's Pearl the duck there in the background. And uh, Joan was telling me about this bike trip that you you and friends, friends did recently. Can you tell me where, where, where? Tell me more. Well, it's it's a bike trail that was made from a train track that starts in Saint Jerome, which is north of Montreal, and it's 200 kilometers um, of train track through the Laurentian Mountains that. Um, uh, have lots of amenities, lots of places to stay. Um, there's a shuttle that will um, take you to the beginning so that you can do it one way, and they'll also sh shuttle luggage. And so every day you ride 
about 50 kilometers or so past beautiful scenery and it's very pleasant. Um, people we met people on the trip from England and uh, from you know the Toronto area, from the Philadelphia area. People come from around. I think it's the longest bike trail, um, dedicated bike trail in Canada. Um, so yeah, it starts at St. Jerome and uh, that's what we did. <laughs> How many of you were there? We're six. And what's the age range? Uh, the age range was 62 to 73. And how would you compare that to, like, say, taking a cruise? <laughs> uh, not my favorite. <laughs> you know, it was perfect. We were outdoors all day, every day. We were very lucky. The forecast had been dire. I mean, literally, it said it was going to rain every day. And I think we only saw a few raindrops the last morning. Wow. Uh, so we were very blessed. But... Um, you know, the trail is not that tricky. Um, there's a few places with some elevation, but, you know, it was a train track, so it's not bad. But what, what's amazing is that the track actually s goes right to the edge of several lakes and rivers. Um, you know, it wasn't built away from the water. It was built, like, along the water, so that's what makes it really pretty to oh, cool. see yeah now you got to get home and get something out of the oven what's in the oven <laughs> <laughs> my holiday brisket <laughs> cool. well thanks for stopping yes take care have a nice ride <laughs> joan schaefer i ran into her on the rail trail and tomorrow is rosh hashanah you're listening to out there on valley free radio here's one more clip oh stay tuned for democracy now coming up at five o'clock word to the wise so I was at Valley Recycling unloading my trailer of trash at the barn, barn shed, the giant metal building where the garbage trucks come and go and people dump all their, their trash on the floor and the giant machine in loader, bucket loader, bulldozer type machine scoops, drags and smashes and pushes and shoves trash around. Well, someone had just backed up a pickup truck while I was there unloading my bags of household trash and they had dumped a bunch of construction waste onto the concrete floor, including a, a toilet, broken toilet. And um, fortunately I had stepped back around to where my trailer was, not directly in view of the pile of trash because then the giant yellow heavy equipment beast came with its blade and lowered its blade down on the pile of trash to drag it away. When it lowered his blade down on that toilet, the ceramic tank, it like smashed it and pieces went shooting out like a piece about the size of my hand went shooting like 20 feet out straight out towards where the truck had been and where I pull up to unload. On to nature observations, the sumac, staghorn sumac. Wow, there's some really full heads right here by the community gardens on the Hospital Hill side. Mmm. Very full. Good for making sumac aid. Or this is a Lebanese spice that's made out of sumac. Zatar. Too. But if you want to make sumac aid, you could just break off one of the heads, the red heads, and make sunti. Like put it in a, like say a quart or a half gallon, half gallon jar of water. Put it in the sun. Or just let it sit in warm water. Cool water, depending on the strength you want, I guess. 
I don't know, let it sit for a few hours or longer and then strain it out, add some sweetener if you like and it's delicious. Or you can just sort of suck on the the um, dried red berries. They're, um, you don't even have to suck on them, just touch your tongue to them. That's it for Out There pretty much today. Thanks for listening on Valley Free Radio. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, crazy for feeling so blue. I knew. You'd love me as long as you wanted And then someday You'd leave me for somebody new Worry Why do I bike lab tomorrow saturday september 16th come learn to fix your bike 12 northern avenue 11 30 a.m to 2 30 p.m you can hear archived editions of out there at weatherbeer.com slash out there